It's time to rock and roll! Whoops. Can you hear that? No. Okay. I accidentally start start playing uh, the recording for another episode I, I just done last week. It was, uh, oh. I, I did Starship Troopers retrospective that's oh, coming yeah. out soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, but, uh, um, yeah, we showed that for our, we did like a 25th anniversary series. And that was our first movie. It was the first time I had seen it since 1997. And I'm like, wow, this movie is like, I was 17 years old when that came out. And I was dumb back then for not liking this movie because, wow. Yeah, spoiler alert for my future take on Starship Troopers. <laughs> uh, it's good. And it's, it's, it's also upsetting, though. But anyways, that I'm just leaving this in. This is the intro for the episode. Uh, now. All right. Hey, uh, hello, yes. everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Hangouts. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is not my co-host, Universa, who could not be here today. Uh, he's all everything's good. Everything's fine. Uh, we'll see him on Friday for a very special episode. More on that in a second. Uh, with me today is my pal, Mike Schindler. How are you? Pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, man, I'm miserable. <laughs> It's so hot in Los Angeles, and and it's just it's so bad. If you're in LA, you know, you know, everyone complains about like when it rains in LA, and you see the the tweets going off, yeah. and it's like, you know what? I wish we could annoy people with that again. I don't remember the last time it rained here. It's just, it's just hot. Um, at least you got like movie theaters with air conditioning, right? Yes, yes, I do. I didn't know yesterday, the day before recording this. Two days before this is uploaded onto the internet, I didn't know that was National Cinema Day or whatever. Oh, you didn't? You missed it? I I missed it. Uh, oh. I knew I knew they were doing the three dollar things, but I was like, oh, right. I I had I had some stuff going on anyways, so I didn't really do it. But uh, yeah, I didn't know that was the reason. I was like, oh, AMC is doing it. The Draft House is doing it. Oh, okay, that's cool. Good for them. I don't yeah. know why. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I feel like I missed out in a special event. So I marked it on my calendars now. We're all good. Uh, well, I don't know if it's going to happen again next year. I don't know if it's an annual thing, but uh, it worked out this year. And um, I mean, yeah, I mean, that was basically it was, you know, three dollar movies. But they did put together this like sizzle reel thing, which I, I did watch yesterday, where basically it was like four and a half minutes of just like, here's every movie which is coming out until the end of the year, you know, mm -hmm. just in like rapid succession with just like little, you know, it it was pretty cool. I mean, it was like it was like exhausting because it's like, wow, this thing keeps on going, you know, <laughs> but it was like kind of cool. Like, damn. Oh, yeah, that's going to be cool, too. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff that's going to be coming out for the rest of the year. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, before we get into that, the, today's episode will be about like kind of wrapping up summer blockbuster stuff that we've seen, what we liked. Um, uh, we could talk. I don't know. Did you see Jaws in theaters again? I did. I saw you did? Yeah, most people did, thankfully, because it's yeah. we're not going to surprise anybody. Jaws is is just the fucking best. Um, but Mike, this is your first time guesting on the podcast. Uh, yeah. Tell the people a little bit about yourself, if you would like to. Yeah, um, you know, I do a, a number of podcasts, including some with uh, with you, uh, like Bayhem, for example. And um, I, I also have a show uh, called uh, FilmDamagePod.com, or it's on FilmDamagePod.com. It's called Film Damage um, with kind of like little sub shows on it um, where we talk about uh, film projection, time travel, and Star Trek. 
so those are kind of our 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 big our big topics and um i i've i've worked in the movie theater industry for like literally over half my my life uh first as a projectionist then as like a manager and now as like a film programmer um and uh yeah it's a lot of fun so yeah, yeah it's it's a it's a beautiful industry i have questions uh oh, yeah. about like because you you've seen the evolution of of like film projection where everything was film projected at one point and now it's like there's like three theaters in the countries that do that like <laughs> consistent there's, there's right? a few few more than that but <laughs> okay. yeah 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 there's, they're few and far between for sure yeah yeah, yeah. uh in your opinion is it I, I it's a professional opinion if there ever was one like like uh is there are we missing out on something by by i didn't even prep you for this i'm just curious about it because i just i'm thinking about this stuff all the time now everyone's yeah. getting all existential about the industry all the time but like are we missing out on something by not having film projection all the time can digital projection like match that quality in your opinion i to, to me like i'm very much like format agnostic you know there's some people who are like if it's not on film it's not cinema you know and then there's other people who are like clearly digital you know is is perfect every time and you know why wouldn't you want that because it's it's much better quality uh, all the way around and i mean the truth of course lies somewhere in between right i mean neither of those statements are accurate and i, I really think a lot of it comes down to uh the preference of the filmmakers and um the the content which is being displayed and not so much you know your personal feelings on the subject you know i i mean i i'm i'm I, it's it's not i mean as as this is filmmaking is not a chirocracy it's not a democracy it's a chirocracy right <laughs> i mean as they say and then the filmmaker is the cheer tater and, you know, wh why why do people think they know better than the people who made the movie? Right. I just I just don't know. That's my personal feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's times where you see like, you know, um, I mean, obviously, like Tarantino is like, I want you to see my movie on film. Right. And it's like, yeah. OK, well, then I'm going to do that, you know. And then there's other times where like Soderbergh is like digital is clearly better and it's like well good then why are people doing screenings of you know magic mike double xl on film like that doesn't make any sense to me at all you know mm -hmm. but if we're getting into like just like sort of the technical aspect if we're looking at it like completely uh, objectively right and not as like an artistic thing um again there's there's pros and cons right i mean some advantages to film are uh, you know, especially if you're, I mean, to me, the big advantage is, um, you know, that what you're getting is what was there originally. Right. I mean, like I, I, this applies more to like older movies than, than new movies, but like who did the, the master for, uh, you know, that 
that taken DCP or whatever, right? Who who's to say that that digital version of of the movie is what it looked like when it originally played in theaters? Um, but you know, on on the flip side, that print could have been beat to hell or whatever. Or you know, there could be you know something like Jaws, for example, which gets this like gorgeous 4K you know master, and it's like that probably that probably looks better than whatever print you're able to scrounge up, you know? And, and, you know, I guess the other side of it is like when it was film, you had people in the booth, like monitoring this stuff where now there could be like a very simple problem, which literally nobody sees, you know, and it'll just sit there for, for months on end because nobody knows what they're looking for. Right. Whereas if it had happened, you know, back in the film days, it would probably be caught on the first show. So, you know, flip side of that is you could have a projectionist up there who doesn't know what they're doing and scratches a print and on the first show and ruins it for the rest of the run. Whereas, you know, here digital is perfect every time and whatever, you know, at least, you know, you don't have like a degradation in quality, but I'm sorry, I'm throwing a lot of this, you know. No, no, no. This is this is why I wanted you to come on. You know, to me, like the thing that no one really talks about is when it comes to film or digital is what it means for distribution. And you know, right now, I think we're seeing, especially at this time of year, which is my favorite time of year for 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 movies, because there's nothing new to play right so like theaters are literally just like i don't know what the fuck to do let's show the graduate you know which is like literally like what we're doing at one of our theaters this week you know and it's like yeah you don't you don't know what you're gonna get you go on fandango and you're like oh shit someone's showing the godfather trilogy tomorrow i guess i better make time for that you know or whatever you don't know what you're gonna get and it could be any theater anywhere showing any movie. And back in the film days, that would have never, ever, ever been possible because you got to find these prints. You've got to ship these prints. You know, it, it it's not something that you can do right now, like on a Friday, which is what happened. I can be talking to my booker and trying to figure out what we're going to be playing at our theater and say, Lord of the Rings, extended cuts everybody's interested let's just do that next week let's do the lord of the rings extended cuts and literally six days later we will have them up on screen and it's like that's you would never be able to do that without digital the other thing that you would never be able to do without digital is have uh, like a wide distribution of smaller movies like you know let's say Gigi and Nate, for example, you know, which is, you know, playing at a bunch of theaters right now. Um, you just, you can't do that. Like that is so expensive for like independent filmmakers to just make those prints. Whereas if it's digital, you can make as many prints as you want for basically no cost and get them into 2000 theaters, no problem. And if the movie fails, it doesn't really matter because you didn't invest all that money in the prints, right? So theaters will be more likely to try it out and see what happens. So it's, it's a really big deal for, you know, like indie film and repertory film and stuff like that, which goes way beyond 
the quality aspect of it. The other thing is just like the accessibility portion, which, you know, people have talked a lot about, but, you know, it's something that didn't really exist prior to this because the technology wasn't there. But, you know, now every single movie that ships comes with an open caption version and a closed caption version and a descriptive audio version and everything like that. And you can just like turn those on whenever you want to really. And, and that really opens up, uh, you know, movies in theaters to a, a, a much larger audience, you know, which I think is, is great. So yeah, digital, yes, it doesn't have that warm analog, whatever it is, you know, which, okay, you know, that's fine. But it does have a lot of, of upsides. And um, yeah, I, I like both. I like both. I mean, whatever. Yesterday on National Cinema Day, I saw a classic movie projected digitally, and I saw another classic movie projected on film, and both were great. So, so there you go. Oh, which one did you watch on the film? And I assume the other one was Jaws, right? On digital? Jaws was on digital. And then I went to see a midnight show of Christine on 35 millimeter. Oh, I love Christine. This is my first time ever seeing it, actually. Oh, my God. What'd you think? I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I I, I wouldn't say it's like upper level Carpenter or anything like that, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, something about that one I like it more and more when I watch it because I was like yeah it's good when I first saw it I had a similar reaction not nowhere near bad nothing less than quality but like I go back to it it's like a a comfort watch for me now right it's Mm -hmm. a great start to like spooky season in a way yeah yeah Uh, and also for the record uh, I I asked you that question it was a little leading but like I we've talked about that before too like we we're on the same page completely with that (laughs) there's there's no film superiority here it's great. I love film. I, it's not inherently better. Uh, there's someone on, on, on Twitter, Devin Scott. He's a professional colorist and cinematographer. I'll put his link to his Twitter down below, but he's he's works with digital primary. I don't I've never seen any of his film stuff. I don't know if he's ever worked with film, but he's shared like uh, uh, test footage of what he's using with like the black magic pocket camera, I believe, and stuff like that. And can make it look like, you know, 16 millimeter and like the the way you can like play with digital, you can still do a lot of other cool stuff that you never would think about if you don't test like the limitations of the technology. And um, I'm, I got to get that guy on at some point. I got to ask him because his work is like fascinating. I, I'm obsessed with it right now. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, I mean, that, that's always a job where I was like, you know, back in the day, I'm like, that, would, that seems like one of the most fun jobs you could have, right? Mm-hmm. Like like a telecine colorist or whatever it is, you know, it seems like a cool job. Yeah, yeah. I, the last thing I'll say about his work, it was really funny. He had he had spliced three separate clips together, and it was like, okay, these are shot on three separate cameras: one's film, one's something else, and one's the Black Magic pocket camera. Which one's which? And then at the end of the thread, I was like, just kidding, they're all Black Magic pocket cameras. And it was <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, it's, you got me, you That's got me. Cool. Yeah. yeah um, but Mike, this is a big summer movie season because theaters are are having a little bit of trouble, and I'm sure you, and and many other theater people uh, have felt the weight of that. Unfortunately, uh, can you talk a little bit about like what the pressure is regarding that? Like, what how how is it for you guys when people don't really go see movies maybe the way they used to? And that's not me being a, again. This isn't about puritism. 
Yeah. This is just about like the state of, I guess, movie going right now. I mean, the thing that we've found is like people are going right. Like if you, I mean, just look at, you know, Top Gun, which is apparently on Tuesday, it will surpass Black Panther to become like the number five, you know, highest grossing film of all time. Even like Spider-Man, which came out, you know, sort of at the height of like one of the the waves and everything was, you know, crazy in, in terms of how big it was. Like people will go if there's something for them to see. The problem is that there aren't nearly as many movies as there had been in the past, you know? And that's that's kind of like our big challenge is like getting more movies. You know, I mean, like there's there's like there was nothing this week. I mean, the big release was Spider-Man No Way Home. You know, that's crazy, you know, and then yeah. next week is, you know, we, we've got Barbarian and Medieval, which are both not getting like super duper wide releases, you know. So it's like there's a lot of places where it's just like well, we don't have anything else to play you know mm -hmm. and you know i mean the the stuff which is coming out in the next few months does look really good and you know the other thing that we're seeing is with stuff like see how they run or whatever you know movies which will appeal to people who are not you know sort of like superhero enthusiasts you know uh ticket to paradise is another one which looks like it could be like a a sleeper hit and, and stuff like that. But like, we, we just, we just need more movies. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. I think. That's, I think it's the first time I heard that actually. And I, I, I agree with you, but just from an outsider perspective on that matter, but like, you know, that we were talking about like how digital distribution for film makes it so much easier. And it's like, but now we have these, maybe these big corporations not putting funding to, lower budget mid-range budget stuff to get out there unless it's like a big thing like top gun i mean i was surprised at how successful it was yeah i, I still haven't seen that i'm sorry oh man but i know i know i trust me <laughs> i know um <laughs> but like part of me always felt like oh man like oh, I, I could see why it became a hit you know i think it's something that like you need to see it on the big screen this is a an experience and maybe just the way these other movies are being produced like like say positive or negative about the Marvel stuff, like you keep up with it because other people are keeping up with it because that's part of the experience. Whether or not it's a successful movie experience is a separate conversation, but it is a crowd experience at the end of the day in its own way. Yeah. And, you know, maybe some smaller stuff can't afford to create that big experience. You know, I love me a good talkie drama, but it's harder to like get people interested in that, you know? Like yeah. I found there was a movie about, uh, the 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 life of David Wayne or something like that. It's like Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just heard about it like literally two days ago and I saw some stills from it and I'm like, wow, that looks incredible. Why haven't I heard of this? And I was like, ah, oh, it costs like a million dollars to make. That's why I haven't heard of that. The money went to making the movie. There was no, probably no marketing budget for that. You know, it got, it got dumped on Amazon and that was the end of it. And it's like, I, I have that to watch now, but <laughs> yeah. that looks like something I would have liked to have seen in the theater. You know, yeah, it is crazy. Like, I mean, one of the things which I've sort of like learned over the course of this job is like how important that sort of like big scale marketing is. Like, you'd always hear people talk about like, oh, well, you need 
just if it's a hundred million dollar movie, you need to spend a hundred million dollars on, you know, advertising in order for, for it to be a hit. And I always thought like, that's insane. Like, of course, everybody knows that like Spider-Man is coming out. Like, what do you have to do? But like, I've really found that that is true. Like there's so many movies where like, you know, it's like, okay, this movie is made by, you know, some filmmakers who have made like some of the absolute most successful movies of all time. It's starring a bunch of A-list actors. It's got a premise which would kill and it's a really good movie. And the studio isn't marketing it at all um, because, you know, they're, they're thinking of it further down the line for whatever, you know, streaming platform they're on or whatever they're doing with it. And it's like, yeah, people, you, you, you mentioned, you know, the movie to people and they're just like, I haven't heard of that one. And it's like, wait, how, how have you not heard of this? You know, this should be a hundred million dollar movie and people just don't know that it exists. You know, it's so bizarre. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just interesting how that works. And I think we're in like our, our little bubble you know, with with the world of film and film Twitter and everything where it's like, of course, we've heard about it. Of course, we're all looking forward to it. But you mentioned that to someone who isn't obsessed with movies and it's just they they, they don't know it exists. You know, mm -hmm. it's strange. Yeah, like I think apart from Top Gun, the other biggest movie I had, I had heard referenced in the real world uh that's not like a marvel movie is elvis you know because yeah. multiple generations still know and care about elvis generally speaking oh, right yeah. did you see elvis i did did you like I, it i did, did okay did you see yeah it? i did i i just rewatched it yesterday and i was like you know what i liked it and then i watched it and i was like no oh, this i think this is kind of fucking great <laughs> like i think this is a great movie yeah. And I got emotional <laughs> and I got excited about movies. <laughs> and I was like, I'm feeling things. And but I'm like a Baz Luhrmann like defender. Like I think the only one I don't like is like Australia, you know? Like yeah, that, that's a tough, a tough watch. I, yeah. I I'm 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 like he's they talked about how he's he's doing that extended version or whatever. He's yes. he's doing it as like a mini series on Hulu or something like that. And I'm like of of, of Australia. Um Oh, and... I thought Elvis. No, never mind. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. And I'm like, like he's even giving it like a different title or something. And I'm like, I find this to be very intriguing. That being said, I already feel like watching that movie took like four days off of my life. So I don't necessarily know that I can do this, but I support his uh, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, Elvis, I mean, yeah. And, and that is definitely something that we've seen, you know, I mean, you can just see it in the box office too. Like that movie and Top Gun have stuck around forever, you know, mm -hmm. and it's a lot of people who don't go to movies, you know, nearly as much as, you know, the sort of like mainstream, you know, like I don't hear too many kids talking about Top Gun or see too many kids coming out of Top Gun. It's all, you know, older people. And it's people who don't necessarily see a movie going to see it like multiple times, you know, mm -hmm. like that's so weird. 
and Elvis, the same thing. Like I remember like when, when they did the exhibitor screening here back, you know, a couple of weeks before it came out, um, our, the, the owner of my company who's, you know, in his eighties, he's, he's like, oh man, I'm looking forward to Elvis a lot. And his son was like, just so you know, like, it's going to be weird, right? I mean, this is Baz Luhrmann. It's going to be weird. I just want you to know that going into it. And we were scared because of that, like how well it would perform, you know, because we saw a lot of like seniors who were interested in this movie and were like, how did they respond to Moulin Rouge or the Great Gatsby? Like, I don't know about this. And he came back from that screening and he was like, oh, my God, it was amazing. And we're like, all right, cool. We've got a winner. I know. I, I'm glad yeah. it hit those marks. And I don't know what, like, maybe it was just exciting enough to excite, like, the film Twitter bros and stuff like that. Or film Twitter peoples. Because I know it was more than just, like, the Michael Mann heads and stuff like that that responded <laughs> really well to Elvis. Like, people generally like this movie. But, like, I just remember watching it. And seeing Tom Hanks in that that makeup, that greasy makeup in uh-huh. his like hospital gown, wandering through the the digital casino around him, and it's like a ridiculous image, and it works perfectly for the movie. But I just remember thinking, I love this. People are gonna fucking hate it, and <laughs> I did not hear a single complaint from a normal person in the real world about any of that stuff. Yeah, which is yeah. just like okay, something people will still respond to like stuff that's not just tangibly real in movies there's mm-hmm. something happening here that makes me happy because i've been a little depressed about stuff like that i'm probably overthinking stuff just lately i've been like man can like something like three thousand years of longing like ever find an audience and that's a marketing failing too. that that the poor reception to that film uh which is i think is excellent by the way and one of the best of the year but like I, I get worried when I'm like, if it's not like superhero stuff or Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, are people like shunning things that are like stylistically different? And like, no, I just think we, we need to find a way to like kind of repackage it differently. Maybe I don't. I don't have an answer for any of that stuff I just brought up. I'm just like, uh, Elvis kind of re-inspired me, I guess, um, to yeah. interact with audiences more. No, I mean, people were definitely, I mean, they, they, they really did respond. I think because, you know, I think a lot of people had like a personal connection to Elvis or whatever. And (laughs) the weirdest one was, uh, I was, I was pulling up to a theater and like, I, I was, you know, just like going to see a movie and I'm walking through the parking lot and this woman was walking out of the theater and like we crossed paths and she's like, what are you going to see? And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to see American graffiti. And she's like, Oh really? They're playing that. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, and she's, she's like, what did I said? What did you see? And she's like, I saw Elvis. And I'm like, yeah. What did you think? And she's like, Oh my God, it was great. It, they really screwed that guy over. Oh man, that guy, he was a bastard and everything. And like, she's just like really getting into it. Like really not like even about like, you know, Oh, the, the cinematography was great, but just like, they did Elvis wrong, you know, like, like they really, you know, screwed that guy over. And I mean, yeah, I think people just get emotionally involved in these things, which is what movies are supposed to do. Right. And uh, yeah, if you can do that, no matter how you do it, it's great. 
Yeah, like we were talking uh, the last time we spoke when I, I guessed it on uh, your your Kevin Smith retrospective. Ah, uh, yes, talking yes. about a uh, cop out, which you know, not 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 a great film for me. Um, <laughs> but I, not not angry or anything. Just not doesn't work for me. Um, but you know, that was a similar conclusion we came to. Where it's just like you want someone to be able to express themselves artistically with the art they're creating, uh, and you want people to be able to respond to it. However, it's going to be like. Uh, personal to them everyone's gonna have their own personal attachments to it you want it all to work but you mostly want it to work for uh humanity i guess that's like a really broad statement but that's kind of like the point of all of it right like mm-hmm. i don't need to like it as long as it like connects someone like that's that's fine that's totally totally fine um this is the part where i turn it completely positive and say i think this is actually a really strong year for movies and especially big big movies like um going back to like even the batman which i still think is like it's kind of become another comfort watch for me like film noir mystery stuff is a comfort watch and that one mm-hmm. kind of lines up just enough of it right i'm like yeah i could put that on in the background yeah. it's three hours i could i can have that going on for a while tune in yep yep that part's still great yep that part's still great yep zoe kravitz hello and then like you know just keep going um did you see nope yeah i, I saw nope yeah are we are I... you are you pro nope yeah, yeah, I, okay. I thought it was good, you know? Okay. I mean, it was interesting because you said, like, oh, uh, we'll talk about some of the summer blockbusters, and I just went back through, like, I was just looking at, like, all of the releases, and I'm like, that was good. Yeah, that was good. And, like, while there were none where I was like, this is the best movie ever made, you know? Like, I don't think there was a single one where I was like, mm, that one actually sucks, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I like I enjoyed every single one of them. So you're but, you're yeah. a more you're a Morbius stan. <laughs> that that wasn't in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. We're not we're not doing that one. Yeah, but yeah, no, I nope, I did see, you know, obviously I was really looking forward to it because, you know, Jordan Peele and then also the idea that it has some sort of like sci-fi element to it, like that, you know, really appealed to me. Um, in the end, I thought uh it, it was good, but I feel like it fell a little short. Um, it felt a little more contrived than some of his other stuff. You know, I definitely uh, don't think it's as good as Get Out or anything like that. Um, but but I, I enjoyed it. I don't feel the need to go back and watch that one again, like anytime soon. But I did think it was it was good. Yeah. That's interesting because I think it's my favorite of the year. Okay. And All right. I've seen it five times now. Oh, wow. I saw it four times like the weekend. I missed it opening weekend because I was at Comic-Con. Uh, go check out our Comic-Con reaction episode. We did like two of them just to talk to people who we were hanging out with at Comic-Con and stuff like that. Um, and it was tons of fun. Uh, I, I have great, great uh, recording time with that. and um, But I didn't get to watch Nope until the second weekend, right? And then I saw like every opportunity I had and I I thought it was fucking scary as shit. First mm-hmm. of all, I, uh, I've seen some complaints about, there's two complaints I can get on board with one. The monkey does not look fantastic. However, if it looked perfect, it would be the scariest single image ever released <laughs> to the human public. It yeah. would like ruin people's lives. That would be the most <laughs> horrific thing you've ever seen in your entire life Two. Uh, the thing with the cinematographer at the end not his appearance in the film but how that plays out 
I can see someone being like, well, hang on. <laughs> that's a little, that's, that's just take your word contrived. I can. When, when he pulls out his IMAX film camera and starts hand cranking it to whatever and all that stuff. I love that stuff. I mean, I, I really do love the movie. And I think it's like, for me, these are not problems. I think the issues make it more interesting if that makes any sense at all. And that might sound like I'm just like giving the movie a pass. Like I really truly from the bottom of my heart believe that I think it is such a fascinating, like there's so many different things you could read into it regarding like the very act of like filmmaking, why someone filmed something, the idea of how we engage a spectacle. Uh, someone called it upside down jaws. <laughs> which is like i wish i'd come up with that i don't know i don't remember who called that that but that is like so yeah. clever yeah, um good and instead of the fan it's the little the flags and it's, uh -huh. it's the perfect it's the perfect metaphor for the movie um uh how hollywood treat, uh, treats and exploits people uh, animals mm -hmm. um it's uh, uh it's so much there's so much going on and i I honestly want to watch it in theaters until it leaves theaters. And then I'm going to watch it in theaters more after that. And I'm very, very happy that everyone, every normal person, again, every normal person outside of film Twitter that I saw it with also responded very positively to it. Although I did find out a bunch of my friends have not seen Jaws, which is something I will rectify as soon as possible. Because hey, it's like... It's in theaters now. Number I know. 10 at the I'm, box office. So uh, head on out. Hit up the group chats right now and be like, we're going right now after this recording. Let's go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I am of the opinion that Jordan Peele's direction gets better with each film. I think the writing... I do not think this is a problem. This is how... Just a personal thing. So please understand that what I'm about to say is not a negative. I think the writing gets a little looser. It's not bad, but like Get Out is like one of the greatest, tightest screenplays ever written, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas Us and Nope are like, they're much more interested in allowing him to play with the visuals and the, the, the symbolism and the themes and ideas. And I can see how that could kind of like cut people out of the film, like in, engaging with it. Yeah. What really surprised me is that Nope seems to be generally working for people too, though. Like I thought yeah. after us, there was going to be like a big Jordan Peele backlash. Like, oh, he's lost it. He's he's a hack. He's a one trick wonder, or whatever. And it's like, no, people. I've I've seen all the five stars on Letterbox from like people that didn't like us. You know, I, I'm talking to, to people in the real world. Like my mom ended up watching it, and she was like, that was really good. And she doesn't do <laughs> horror movies. Yeah, you know? and she was like, that was really interesting and scary. And she's right. My mom's right. It was fucking scary. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I, I could talk about Nope all day. There are many smarter people than I. Richard Newby's article, I'll link it down below. Uh, great pal of the show, great writer. Uh, going to bat against a bunch of shitty trolls on Twitter right now, so go support him. Uh, it's a great guy. Um, he, he's he's written like the definitive piece on Nope, so just, just go check that out. Uh, so as someone that hasn't seen Top Gun, why should I go watch it while it's still in theaters? Um... Well, I think uh, visually and 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 uh, and it orally, it is very much like sort of built for the big screen. Um, I think that it, it's it's fascinating to 
like be able to go to a movie, you know, 15 weeks after it comes out and still be worried whether or not you'll be able to get a seat. Like that is a very strange occurrence. <laughs> um, you know, so so that might be worth it right there. Um, but it is very much sort of like a crowd pleaser, you know. And I've seen it um a couple of times now with like large audiences, like sold out, like you know, five hundred seat or three or thousand seat you know, venues and, um, you know, everyone is just into it, like the whole time, like sort of like riveted by it. Um, there's a lot of people who talk about like the third act and, you know, a lot of people saying like, this is the best, you know, third act in an action movie ever and everything like that. And I know that you're a big action movie fan. I'm not going to go so far as to say that this is one of the best action movies ever made. Like a lot of people are saying, but it is very, very skillfully made. You know, it looks gorgeous. It's, you know, I mean, Kaczynski, you know, I, it, it's still shot by Claudio Miranda, right? I think. I think, sure. I think that's like his guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the two of them are, are fantastic together, you know? Um, and I, I, I really, really, really love the look of this movie. And, um, it does bring that that sort of like spectacle, which you don't really find much anymore. You know, that sort of like 90s era action movie spectacle. And uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's why you should see it on the big screen. I mean, I, I love spectacle and I, I got a, a whole tangent lined up for this, but this allows me to, to go into it better. Um, so the very idea of like sights and sounds and like how we engage with like the medium, right? Like it's you know, people don't think about it all the time when they're watching movies, maybe even when they're making movies, because you, you think about so much, there's so much else in life to worry about, right? But, like, I think that's why I like Nope so much, too. It's, like, the very act of, like, seeing something, like, how you engage with it can, like, you know, in a way change your life. You know, it's mm -hmm. not the only point of that movie, but that's what I took away from it. Um, and what you hear, too, is also just as important. So I imagine, like, the jet engine stuff is just, like... Yeah insane and uh i've been a joseph kaczynski defender as well since tron legacy yeah i love tron legacy did a 10th anniversary episode for it uh right in the smack dab middle of that first year of the pandemic so mm -hmm. also go check that out um because I, I i love that movie i think he's kind of not fallen off i just that's my favorite of his uh yeah. and then only the brave really impressed me oblivion's interesting but i don't i don't love it uh, so I'm like I'm pro Kaczynski and I'm pro Tom Cruise being a maniac. I'm not a Top Gun lover, so that was always kind of a thing that kind of like. Yeah, but I don't think a lot of people are. You know, I mean, I mean, there were a lot of people back in. The, I think now a lot of people are, but you know, that was like a big hurdle. There was it's like, are people do people care about Top Gun anymore? And you know, it. I think most people would agree that this is a better movie than the original, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's odd in that, like, it really is sort of the movie, you know, like where it's like, well, this is what you loved about the first one. So now let's do it again. You know, I mean, there's a lot of that, like, you know, like, is, mm -hmm. is this, are they basically just remaking that one? Yeah, they are. But what they add to it is, is substantial, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they do play all the hits, you know, but it, it does have its own, have its own, you know, take on things, which is, which is really interesting. So, you know, 
Yeah. 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 Have, have you seen Spider Head? I've not seen Spider Head yet. I Me heard that either. One's, that one's kind of uh, another yeah, wonkier I mean, like, one. How can you not? You know, I mean, like, I haven't watched it yet. I don't know how I haven't watched it yet, but yeah. like, I, but again, that kind of speaks to, you know, that's just the sort of idea of like, if you're not in theaters, you don't have that. You know, I mean, that's like what they, they kept keep on saying with this HBO Max thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, what I saw some streaming thing where they were saying like the little things had like higher numbers on HBO Max than Zack Snyder's Justice League did, you know? Which is like absurd. <laughs> but I mean, that, yeah, it totally proves the point that streaming's just like a, it's almost like a zero sum. I mean, it literally is a zero sum game as we've recently discovered. But like, <laughs> but it's it's like you don't have that like cultural impact, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like you're doing it in a vacuum, you know. And it's not to say that these movies are good or bad or anything. I mean, I mean, look at Prey, which which it did seem to sort of like overcome that. But like, yeah, like why isn't everybody talking about Spiderhead? You know? Yeah, it's like for me, for like Spiderhead, and then I'll get back to the other point too. Like I. I love Chris Hemsworth as an actor. Like, I think not just because I'm also a black hat defender, but like, I'm like this, this dude's not just like a charming leading man. Like he's got something else. And then we all find out he's fucking hysterical. You know, it's like, Oh Jesus Christ. What can't this guy do? You know? And it's like, I want to see him do other stuff too. And like, I, I, like, has he been a villain before besides Spiderhead? I don't know. Or at least an antagonist. I don't, I don't know. He is coming up. You know, he is coming up. What? 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 Who, who? Furiosa. Oh fuck, that's right. George Miller. George Miller's on another level. Um, that's fucking why. Uh, Did you but see yeah, the picture he's... of him from that, from like the set. Oh, no, what? I just saw the. Uh, yeah, see, the I'll, Anya Taylor Joy. I'll find. I'll, I'll. I didn't see Anya Taylor Joy, but I saw him, and wow. Okay. I'll, well, I'll, I'll find. I saw the Anya Taylor Joy one, and it's it's from a distance. It's like it's very much a paparazzi one. But yeah. it's the set one, and then she has like the green thing over her arm because she's playing Furiosa. And right. I remember seeing someone quote tweet it, be like, "Oh, spoilers!" And I was like, and "They were sincere. They weren't like joking. They were like, oh, spoilers! We know she's gonna lose her arm in this movie.'" And it's like, we saw her in the other I movie. Know that she. I don't know. Yeah. Have, have you have you read that 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 new book that's out about the making of Fury Road? No, I've read snippets. It okay. sounds like an incredible read. It is. <laughs> but like it also sounds like it was a little difficult for everyone uh, oh it was <laughs> but um but it, it is interesting like you know that furiosa movie was written like before they shot fury road you know it i was, did not know that actually yeah it was originally going to be like a um originally it was just done to like give to like charlie's theron as like backstory or whatever and then they were like, this is really good. Like, we should do this. And they were going to do it as like an anime tie-in. And then they were like, uh, no, no, th- this might be better than Fury Road. We should actually just do this for real, you know? Whoa. And and that's what they're doing. But in that book, since like everybody who they're interviewing has like read the script, they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's about the blah, 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 blah. So they, they like give like massive spoilers, really, which I mean is all stuff which you could kind of figure out if having seen fury road but Mm -hmm. you know specifically saying like you're gonna see her lose her arm you know like that sort of thing yeah so oh that's that's kind of funny but yeah i'm dying to read that book i'm just finishing up heat too which i guess we'll talk a little bit about in a second but yeah yeah i want to mention just uh oh sorry go ahead 
no, no, I haven't. I haven't read that. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Oh man, it's good. It's real fucking good. Uh, also, if you haven't heard the audiobook voice for it, I recommend just reading it. But like, if you haven't heard the audio voice book for it, it's incredible. It's the most fucking uh, like some dude who wakes up in the morning has straight black coffee after smoking a pack of cigarettes, hard boiled detective voiceover. Ever, it's borderline ridiculous, and it makes it perfect. Um, who, do you know wanted, who does it, or, or I have not? no idea who does it. Okay. It's, it's it's some professional reader, I guess, but they yeah. they do great work. It, it's yeah. hysterical. Um, but like as for like the 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 spectacle blockbuster stuff, you know, like I went to the Academy Museum for the first time this weekend. With oh, the new, yeah, with, I'm with, jealous. Oh, oh my yeah. god, it was a uh, shout out to um, Ethan and Abby, wonderful uh, film Twitter pals who I've known for a very long time. But uh, they came in from out of town and they're like, Oh, let's go have lunch and meet up. And so we went to the El Coyote by um, the new Beverly, and then they're like, You want to go to the Academy Museum with us? And I had like five hours to kill before this art show, and I was like, Yeah, sure, why not? And we just had a blast going through the stuff. Uh, and there are all these different exhibits, you know, you see like the sled from Citizen Kane, uh, uh, basically a shrine to Thelma Shoemaker, mm. who, you know, is a goddess, the greatest, maybe the greatest living editor right now. Um, and just all this great stuff. Uh, I'll probably post pictures on Twitter after this episode goes up because it's it's really remarkable. I recommend if you're in the area, go check it out. I, I, I don't know why I don't live there, frankly. But then we, we come across this one room, I believe it's on like the third level, second level, third level. And um, there's a one room dedicated to Hildur, the the composer who scored the the, the music for the Joker movie. The movie I oh, don't yeah, yeah, yeah. care for. Hildur, yeah, I can't forget her last name, but she's very talented. Yeah. Her work is good. Mm-hmm. And it's just a dark room with a dim red light in the center. You have to adjust your eyes before you walk in. There's nothing in there except for the red light and the sound playing. Huh. It's the most I've ever enjoyed the movie. And it genuinely did feel like I was being taken somewhere else. Interesting. And it I just kind of had like this other revelation where I was like, oh fuck. Like you can like you can do a lot like artistically just by hearing something. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like that's something we also also forget about, not just like the big screen experience, but like what we hear, how we like listen, what we listen to, like, because I wanted to stay in there and I, I don't really know why I don't like that film. Uh, the score is good, but I'm not like obsessed with it or anything like that. But it just felt like I was engaging with like an experience. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's like all these different aspects create their own experience too. you put them all together and it's like kind of like the ultimate art form it's just it's all of them you know and it was just a, a really moving experience and for a movie i don't care about <laughs> yeah and that's one thing like in relation to like seeing a movie like in the theater it's one of those things where like you know you hear all the time like people saying like well I, you know i got dtsx sound you know in this and you know there's like 24.2 channels or whatever it is and it's like Cause anyone really tell the difference between that and something which is like stereo or whatever. And the average person, yes, is not going to be like, I hear the 24th channel. It's right <laughs> over there, you know, but the thing, and, 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 and if they are, if you are playing the movie in mono, they're not going to say like, well, uh, that's, that's a bummer that it wasn't in 5.1 or whatever, but it is, there is something on a subliminal level, which I think really does 
impact people where like if they're going into something that has you know like a a really really sort of like kick-ass sound system or whatever and they're watching a movie like top gun where you like feel the bass you know like that is going to leave an impact which you may not be able to put your finger on um whereas like seeing it you know at home with your you know tv speakers or whatever it's not going to have that you know and i i think that that's all something where it's like you never <laughs> you never get credit for like the good sound you know in, in a lot of ways but like it impacts people's uh experience so much like so sometimes more than the picture or many times more than the picture um, that it's really, I don't know. It's like such an important part of the experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I completely agree. Cause I, yeah. I think every once in a while I'll, I'll catch something in a movie where it's not just like a, a dialogue quality, like in terms of like the, the writing and the, the speaking of it, but like, sometimes I wonder like if I'm supposed to be hearing the music more or the dialogue more. And I know everyone's first thought is to like jump down Christopher Nolan's throat. Mm-hmm. I I'll give you like interstellar. I think every other one's been fine. Interstellar is the one where it's very obvious. I think the other ones work perfectly well. I don't get it. I don't get why people have a problem with like Tenet or Dunkirk. Um, but it, it, it is something like I, I've definitely started to notice more and, and start to pay attention more. And like, how can I like avoid those problems going forward? You know? Yeah. Um, it's all, it, it's a beautiful offering because it's all these different pieces coming together and it's, it's worth celebrating. Uh, we don't have to like list our favorite summer blockbusters of the year. We don't need to do like a ranking or anything like that, but are there any that you want to go out of your way to, to mention um, before we wrap up here? That, like these kind of like define the big screen experience for the summer. Yeah, I mean, you know, Top Gun is certainly, I think, at the top of the of the thing, but that's kind of an obvious choice. I guess if there's one which, I don't know, kind of took me by surprise more than, than any other, it was uh, DC League of Super Pets. Whoa. Uh, did you see that? I did not. Okay. Uh, this is not me attacking you. I just want you to explain because <laughs> I, I did, haven't heard anything about it except that it came out. Yeah, the movie on the whole is fine. You know, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's cute, whatever. You know, I mean, you've got Keanu Reeves playing Batman, which is always uh, an interesting, you know, little thing. Um, but like the movie starts and like the, f- the very first scene in the movie is like the des- destruction of Krypton. Right. And it like starts and you see baby Superman playing with baby crypto and they're best buds and they're like you're like oh look at them they're playing together this is so cute and then you see like these hands come and like pick up uh superman and like take him to the pod right and the whole thing is done from crypto's perspective and he's like what's going on that's my that's my best friend and he's like running to like chase him and and you know like you know Jor-El is like, uh, no, no, you, you can't go, you know, that sort of thing. And like, as the pod is like about to like take off, like the two of them like lock eyes, like, oh my God, like I'm about to lose my best friend, right? And Crypto like 
lunges out and jumps and jumps into the pod as the thing is closing and then they take off and then you know Jor-El's like well at least he'll have a friend you know and I'm just sitting there and I'm like why the fuck am I crying my <laughs> eyes out at DC League of Super Pets <laughs> um <laughs> but that's how it went down like I looked over at my wife and the two of us were just like completely wrecked and uh you know um that's it's it's a good movie i enjoyed it that's you know what I, i'm full of shit because i totally did forget there's one thing i know about it steve jablonski did the score and one of my film twitter pals put up a, a bit of the, the superman theme in that yeah. right and steve jablonski like he has the original john williams score like interwoven into it and i was like listening to it and i was like why the fuck is this so good yeah, I mean, Steve jablonski has been like super underrated. I know people don't care about the Bayformers. I think the music for those movies has never been less than kind of remarkable. Yeah, at least very good. I think yeah. those Transformers scores are kind of iconic now for a generation, at least. Um, <laughs> yes. And and Steve Jablonski, he's got it. He's just one of those guys that's got it. But that's kind of amazing to hear. And like, you know, I mean, I, I've been outspoken about having my frustrations with superhero stuff, but like. It's not because I don't like superheroes. It's just like, you know, stuff like that. You, they they can be very moving stories. Like, I mean, that's kind of a relatable, like, story beat. Yeah. You know, it's like have, having to say goodbye to to pet your pal, you know, who's always there with you. And, like, that's a very sad thing. I think that's a very understandable reaction you had. And if the movie can, like, tap into that, I mean, who am I to judge anyone for enjoying that, you know? <laughs> Um, yeah i I mean it's it's not you know it's not super duper great uh but it's it's good i mean it has its moments is that like the high point it opens it opens uh, on i i I guess so yeah i mean it has a lot of a lot of cool moments you know i mean some of the, the the plot gets a little heavy you know and stuff like that but um but for the most part i think you know there's a lot of funny stuff in there and uh yeah and it also has a credit cookie which is pretty weird where it's like the first time that i think the rock like posted it online was the first time that the rock plays a black adam actually so wait what yeah the black adam and his dog both voiced by the rock show up and meet crypto who's also voiced by the rock wow um, in the in the credit cookie for dc league of super pets spoilers well well, that's what people really want to see when they go see the dc league of super pets the next dwayne the rock johnson character Um, it it, it is pretty funny because it's like kind of like playing into that thing where it's like you know he's like my my owner is not a superhero he's an anti-hero and then it's like what what does that mean like anti-hero like he's basically just like a villain it's like no he's not a villain he's an anti-hero it's like what does he do he's like oh he's kind of mean you know he doesn't he's like, that sounds like a villain you know they're like <laughs> just like playing with that you know stuff which is obviously like what they've been saying you know and, and all the marketing for all this stuff just kind of like making fun of themselves basically and that's nice you know? yeah yeah that's nice i mean <laughs> hey maybe black adam would be great i don't know i have i have no know. expectations for it i don't know if it's gonna be good or bad i'm not coming in with the position on it i'm just gonna go from a boy uh no, not Juan Antonio Boy Bayona. He, he did the Shallows, Orphan. Oh, uh, uh Jean Calitzera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jean Calitzera. Yeah. yeah, great, great director. 
maybe less or so recently, but we'll, we'll we'll swing back around. We'll swing back around to that. Uh, so so that's that's the, that's the the one we're gonna leave off with then. The DC League of Super Pets. Sure. It's totally yeah. fine if you do. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm just gonna recommend Prey again because Prey was it's kind of awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's kind of a, a boring response to be like this is the best Predator sequel, but like I say this as someone that likes all of them. It it, it kind of is. It's uh, the best Predator movie. I don't know why people keep on whoa, specifying. I don't know. It's the best Predator I movie. I don't know about that. But John McTiernan at the top of his game is kind of like unimpeachable to me. So I agree, but I do not think that the <laughs> Predator is him at the top of his game. Oh, okay. Uh, we better we better end the podcast now. Here, here's my wait. here's my bold prediction based on nothing other than industry trends and personal relationships with you know between filmmakers or whatever. Dan Trachtenberg will direct the next Star Trek movie. I'm calling it right now. I hope you're fucking right. <laughs> because they cannot fucking keep it. They've gone to like five <laughs> directors on Star Trek 4. How hard is it? They have the cast. Just, just pay them their money and just fucking, just, come on. Come on. We did our Star Trek podcast together with marcelo yeah. pico at talk film society go check that out too yeah star trek beyond we we all like it most mm-hmm. people like it go yeah. go do another one you the times time's been allotted you can risk the 100 to 200 million dollars again go people more, will go see it more time will have passed between beyond and this movie than between nemesis and oh nine god yeah that's criminal it's crazy that that's, that's upsetting okay we that, that's where we're in the podcast we need to we need to band together to save the star trek film franchise because the tv stuff seems to be, be doing pretty good that's yeah, another yeah. thing yeah. people are watching the star trek shows not me so much i, I kind of uh-huh. sorry I'm, I'm, i'll catch up on uh, one of them eventually but that's like okay. you know people are, are into it again so like yeah the audience is there go go do it yeah exactly yeah you know you got you know however many shows they're doing right now lower decks is killing it everyone's loving strange new worlds yeah let's do it let's get one of these on the big screen yeah and until then mike thank you so much for joining me uh, where can the people oh, find you online oh you can find me on twitter and letterboxd at mumbles 3k and you can also find me on my website filmdamagepod.com uh, where we talk about film projection star trek and time travel all right you can find me at the diego crespo check out the waffle press on twitter youtube soundcloud spotify itunes and patreon get early access to some retrospective stuff see what else we got cooking um oh on friday we'll be doing a live show live from i forget which bar but uh it's for gene's birthday so we'll be doing it there um i think it's going to be tons of fun and if it doesn't go great it will go great, but I'm I'm only talking about like the technical issues because I don't know what the reception is going to be like there. But regardless, it's going to be a lot of fun. Please check it out. Uh, well, I'll post the I'll, after this episode goes up. Uh, the one I just recorded with Mike, there'll be infographics and stuff like that to keep you all posted. But um, yeah, again, thank you, Mike, for joining me. Uh, it's tons of fun. We we still got to do the ambulance for the Bayham retrospective, so let's hit up Marcelo again and yeah, get that going. Um. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional.